I believe everyone has a story to share. I'm on a journey to discover the magic inside each person's story. Each week, I will introduce you to guests where I will dig deep and uncover the beautiful miracles from life and experiences to inspire and encourage you to live life to the fullest. My goal is to give each guest a platform to share their lives with the world in hopes that someone will be inspired to take action and live life with passion and purpose. Welcome to the Uncover Your Magic podcast with me, Ashley Goner. Are you ready? Here we go. Welcome back to Uncover Your Magic. Oh, and we have so much magic to uncover today. You're going to love my guest. Her name is Kate Northrup. And you'll hear in the beginning of the interview, but I will say it again now before it begins, how I found her through Instagram. She's, you know, has all these reels and it's just proof that when you do reels, (laughs) you can just feel her energy. And so I started watching them and then I loved her book, Money, A Love Story. That's her first book. And then her newest book is called Do Less. And then her last name's Northrup. And I used to be one of those people watching Oprah all the time, like I remember doing. Her mom would always be on there, Christine Northrup, and, you know, talk about like healing. And she wrote so many books on menopause and all that stuff. But I grew up watching her mom and I've read a couple of her books. She wrote one with Wayne Dyer. So then that was interesting to see how she grew up with a mom like that and what she's doing with her life now. And we kind of go into that a little bit, but it's just fascinating. And it it was a fun rabbit hole to go down and learning about, you know, in, in this life, we feel like we have to always be doing and going and just how she focuses on doing less and how that's okay. And that's really, to me, when the magic happens is when you are doing less. So I think you'll really enjoy this episode and you'll want to connect with her on Instagram She is fun to watch and has so much amazing content and insight in this world. But before we bring her on, I just wanted to update everyone. I'm probably still on the, (laughs) on a high from the retreat that we had when I'm recording this. When this comes out, it'll be two weeks ago. But, you know, it's just, I'm still like vibrating and understanding that power being together. And wow, that community we created that day was just amazing. And I can't even put it into words. That's how powerful it was. I've had, because I put things out on my Instagram about a wait list, because I had, I think we had to turn like 12 people away, 10 or 12 that were still on the wait list that couldn't come. And I was like, oh, I just hate that. I wanted everyone to come, but we had this beautiful place and so many spots for mats. And that's how we decided the amount of people. So again, like I said, on all my social media, just connect with me, DM me, email me if you want to get on the list, because I'm just creating a list and I'm going to send that out to the first shot when I put the date out for the next one. So do reach out to me if you want to be part of it. And if you have a place that you have in mind that you would want to have it, that's even more amazing. Like Kate had seen the vision in her shower. Like, I know where you're going to have your retreat. And she reached out to me and we put it together. And just again, you know, the community that comes together that created that and just like, it felt like just a few minutes because it was just so easy. And you know, when things are easy, it's all meant to be. And it's, it's for a higher, way higher purpose. And you'll see what I mean when you come and experience that. And then I know last week I read you, this is on a personal note, you know, how I like to share my personal (laughs) stories. But last week I read you that text message that Paige has sent me um, after one of her teachers had asked her what the biggest lesson in 2023 was. And so I read that. You can go back and listen to that episode with Betty, Buddha Betty. That's in that intro. But so this week we had her school that she had signed up for was, or she got a boat seat on a boat with, was LMU, Loyola Marymount up in Marina del Rey. 
So, you know, we loved it. We, she just got the acceptance letter. She's all in. We're on the rowing team. We loved it. Loved the school. Loved the, what it was offering for her major communications and broadcasting and all that. And then on Tuesday night, we get a voicemail from her coach saying, Paige, I'm so sorry, but LMU has decided to take crew out of their school. So they, they got rid of crew cross country swimming. So they will no longer be having a crew team. So all the applications were already passed by. So we couldn't apply to another school. And when I heard that, and we sat there in the kitchen that night, looking at each other all in shock, (laughs) like, is this a dream? It was kind of, I don't want to say exciting because that takes away from you know, having something happen like that. But when you are in a place of knowing that it's a redirection, it's the universe, it's God saying, you're going to learn this from this and you're going to go this way now, or maybe we're going to go to another college because you are destined to crew for, you know, be on a crew team or you got into LMU and crew was the way you got in because you wouldn't have got in it if it wasn't for crew. I mean, all the these what ifs, right? And so we're sitting there as a family and I'm saying this to you because when I saw Paige, you know, of course there was tears, but then, you know, we all slept on it. We woke up and I just said, you know what, Paige, you're so powerful. You made a private D1 school cancel their crew team. It's there's something in this for you. God is redirecting your steps. And she's like, Mom, I know. And yeah, we had a day of trying to let that all settle in. (laughs) But I was really, and all these friends from, you know, my soul tribe reaching out to give me their two cents on what they were feeling and what was coming to them about it was so amazing and so comforting. And I loved sharing those uh, messages with her. But And then I looked back at that text message she sent me (laughs) and I said, Paige, go back and read that text message. You were writing a text to your future self and you didn't even know it. And it was all about all the successes and failures and everything that happens in my life is all for a reason and really God redirecting my steps. And she read it and she's like, mom, that made me cry. And I said, well, I just wanted you to see like you really answered the way you were going to need to look at it, you know, the perspective, you know, it's all perspective and the way we look at something. And um, that's just put so much ease and this grace of this calmness around this, what could have been, you know, we could have just went all crazy and freaked out and what do we do? But we didn't. And it was teaching that to kids and to see the magic of that in a 17-year-old handling that situation like that was something that I will never forget. And that will be a benchmark in her life that she will go back to saying, if I can handle a college quitting or canceling a sport that I had in her mind worked very hard, which she did for four years to get there, and then to really keep walking down those steps and picking up the breadcrumbs, like I like to say, and seeing why, because there's a bigger purpose, huge, and we don't even know it yet, but I will share it with you when we discover it. But I I think I wanted to share that because I did share the text last week for some reason, <laughs> and then this happened this week. So I had to connect the two because there is a big connection there. So go back and listen to, and if you haven't listened to Betty, Buddha Betty last week, for sure, go back. And that's the intro that I do talk about the text message, but that was a fun episode as well. And I got so much feedback. So anyway, I could go on and on, but reach out for me, Raising Confidence. If you want your kids to learn these tools that will shape them and when they have things come to them in their lives like this with Paige, that they'll look at it from a different perspective, a higher perspective, the knowing that everything is always working for them. In my Racing Confidence course, we do that. And it's just to see these kids have those light bulbs come on (laughs) and realize that life doesn't have to be hard, that when it does seem like it's hard, it's not hard, it's perfect. And when you reframe that in your mind and you teach your children that, 
that's what you want as a parent when they leave. I mean, I know now that just having this one, I mean, there's been different things, of course, in our life that we've had to encounter and deal with. But just knowing that just right now in this present moment, having gone through this this last couple of days, I know that it is setting her up for life. And the next time that something will come and, you know, throw her for a loop, she will say, gosh, and she'll remember this moment and everything, that perspective will shift. And I guarantee that once you have taught your kids that, their lives will become so much more magical and meaningful and just beautiful. So without further ado, don't forget my Monday, first Monday's calls of the month. And the next one will be in March. We had one February 5th. So check in with that, get the Zoom link from me. And those of you that come up every month that we use the same Zoom link. And I love that call. It's so, so, so special. We've created so many amazing friendships. And again, just thank you for listening and subscribing. And you know, I hit my 1 million downloads last month and it's still growing and I'm so grateful. So never in a million years would I have thought four years ago when I said yes to this podcast that I would have 1 million downloads. Crazy. All right. So never say never. (laughs) All right. Enjoy this beautiful episode with Kate Northrup. Welcome, Kate. Hi. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you. And, you know, it's kind of probably a mystery. Like, I wonder why Ashley wanted me to come on. I wonder what the interest is. And yes, I've re- you've written books. You have amazing classes, your story. So I found you like six months ago and I saw your Instagram and it's, your energy is like contagious. It, it makes me stop. Mm-hmm. And your videos... You're beautiful. Like there's something about you, right? So of course I stop and I go, okay, it's about money. You're talking about your one book, Money, a Love Story. So that is attracted to me. Like, oh, I can't wait to hear how she views money. And then it's about Do Less, another book you wrote and the cycles. And, you know, I'm 55, so I don't have a period anymore. So I'm like, maybe I'm not really could relate to that book. But then I realized it's about the moon. And if you don't have, if you're a man, you still work in cycles. So I'm getting all that. You have two daughters. So do I. Mine are older. Mm -hmm. And then I'm thinking, gosh, your last name sounds familiar. And I'm like, you know, that Dr. Northrop that used to be on Oprah that I used to watch all the time. I'm like, I wonder if that's her mom. So then I go down the rabbit hole. And I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. And I, you know, remember reading a book with her and Wayne Dyer and you know, it's like all the things that started, that kind of filled me up at that moment was like, okay, I, you know what I'm interested in, Kate? I want to understand. I love looking at life from now, my perspective of why we do the things we do, why we're interested in the things we're interested in, why we write books and what, why that, what called you to write those books and how you were raised by your mother. And if, I mean, I'm sure people on this show that are listening know that name because I don't know. I mean, I it's just a name that I grew up with, but raised with her, you know, the I was raised with a mom was she was Christian science. So we were always like, you know, no medicine, always mind over matter, you know, healing, praying, you know, the belief of your body and, you know, knowing we can heal our own bodies and all that. So that's, I think that's where your mom kind of uh, really related to her. But can we start back when you're a child? Because I also want to get to the end where how you raise your daughters Mm -hmm. and how that relates to how you were raised and how you've done things differently, maybe, than you were raised with your mom. How does that sound? Amazing. Sounds great. (laughs) So let's go. Tell me about your childhood and then... Well, so I was raised in a small town in New England in a house on a river that my mom still lives in. So she still lives in the same house I was brought home from the hospital to. Oh, wow. And both of my parents were doctors. Now they're both, uh, re- you know, that neither of them practice anymore. But I grew up with two very different philosophies in the same household. So my mom is very much a believer in the law of attraction and energetics and the mind-body connection. And 
my dad is much more of a 3D guy. Like, you know, if it, it needs to be double blind, placebo controlled study proven. And, and so I grew up in this environment where it was clear that we have choices about the way we see the world. And it was not, both of my parents were for better or for worse, they weren't really on the same page about most huh. things. And they were on so the strong, same page. you know, that surprises yeah. me. They're both yeah. very strong. Uh, they were totally on the same page about like education and, you know, our most important values about keeping me and my sister safe and stuff, but not in terms of money. They weren't really on the same page. They were not really on the same page about emotions and how the body works. And I mean, it's probably not a huge surprise. They got divorced, but (laughs) 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 they got divorced when I was 15. And, but I was raised, you know, I think that the one thing my parents did so well, and my mom had a real, you know, probably was more the lead in this. Although, you know, I could go back and ask them was that she raised me to trust myself. And I think that is the greatest gift she has given me was this feeling of, if you think something's off, it's off. If something is not working for, if something is feels wrong, it's not you. It's you can trust yourself. And that's the one thing that I know with my girls, you know, they're five and eight now. And I can see, even though they're little, I can see the degree to which I am not going to be there in their lives. You know, already they're at school from like eight to three. It's a huge chunk of their day that I literally have no idea what's going on. They're in the care of people I trust, but at the same time, like I'm not there. And so the only thing I can do is to instill in them a sense of deep connection to their inner knowing and their intuition because that will be with them every day for the rest of their lives. And if I can teach them that they can trust themselves, they'll be able to do anything. Right. Yeah. So I was 37 and 40 when I had my girls and they're 15 and 17 now. And I've watched, you know, I'd look back at the ages of your girls and just go, Mm -hmm. oh, I just love those memories. And I remember, you know, missing them at school and what you're getting used to, like having that time. And now you have now I know what you're doing in your life and your career and having that time away from them. And it's like learning that separation and them learning that. And so as I went along and instilled the intuition things and the mindset and the gratitude, and I was very intentional because I had studied your mom. I'd studied Wayne Dyer. I had studied Abraham Hicks, all the, you know, all the things that, you know, all the books and was always interested in that. But having my children later in life, I knew from day one, I'm, I know from zero to seven, I'm programming them, you know, I'm telling Richard, which, you know, in a similar way, like that your way, your dynamic is with your mom, Richard's kind of was like that in like your dad. And then he's kind of come to my little side <laughs> as we've evolved. But um, now when I see them, Kate, at 15 and 17 and the work that you know, you do as a mom and you don't know it's working and you're just like programming these little computers, you know, like praying to God that they're getting it, you know, yeah. and the intuition and like, like just what, like what you said. And now I see it and it's just like, I get goosebumps. I get texts from them at school. Mom, it's just like, this is it. This is what I've, what I've been waiting for. I didn't know that. Yeah. You don't know it during the time, but then, you now, as a teenager, I get to see it. And it's so, so cool. amazing. I that can't even, so cool. I get goosebumps when I tell you that story because I, you know, as a mom like you, just being intentional about raising children, especially this time of our life, right? What we're going through and what even having your daughters at that age of the pandemic, it wasn't a big deal because you probably got to be with them. It was, <laughs> it was harder for us in that we had no, you know, no child care and we had a two-year-old and a five, you know, a four-year-old home. So that part was really hard, but it was like they, we could kind of keep them in our own orbit in terms of like, you know, we didn't have a lot of backlash in terms of their anxiety afterwards or their isolation or, so I think we got off easy in certain ways. And then I was looking at a reading something about how you were like, when you were 10, you were like 
you're a planner. You would plan play date. Mm-hmm. You were like really like regimented. And then you had your first like calendar at 14 where you, so explain that and why, where that came from. Uh, you know, I've always been really into time. My whole life, I was really fascinated by time. I was really fascinated by money. I mean, starting when I was a little girl, I was creating little schedules for myself every week where I would pencil in every day of the week and what activities I had going on and what play dates I had going on. I think it was a sense, a, a way in retrospect, it was a way that I was helping myself feel safe. And it was a trying to control my environment. Like, okay, I'll just write it all out. And then I did the same thing in college. I would like write down every hour of the day exactly what I was going to be doing as though if I could schedule it properly, then maybe, you know, I wouldn't feel anxious or I wouldn't feel scared, which I think was the right impulse. I don't think it was actually the right strategy. But yeah, I was, I've been always super into planning and being intentional about time, like really having this sense that we don't have, I mean, I do think life is long in certain ways, but you know, just last week, I stayed up way too late watching videos of my girls when they were toddlers and babies, oh. just being like, everyone said oh. it was going to go really fast. And they're only five and eight. And I already feel like it's going really fast. Like they were right. I was so annoyed at the time when people would say that because I'm like slogging through right. those earlier years. They're so <laughs> hard. And I was like, don't tell me it's going to go so fast. This is the pits. But it's true. It goes fast. And at the same time, Time is the whole thing. That's all we've got. That's what life is. It's time. And we just squander it by doing all this stuff to please other people, doing all this stuff because we're scared of disappointing people, doing all this stuff because we've been programmed to believe that what matters is status and external receipts of all this stuff. It's like that stuff doesn't matter. And so now in my life, I think about time in a very different way. I used to be really scared if I didn't have a schedule. I used to be really scared if I had open time. Like I said, I managed my anxiety through scheduling. And I think at the heart of it, I just what I was really craving was a way to feel safe. And I didn't know how to do that. So I just kept using these external things of like, well, if I can put enough appointments in my day. If I can stay busy enough, then I won't have to sit with myself. And so, you know, I've shifted that over the years, but I think that's ultimately like what was going on there with all the scheduling and the calendaring. (laughs) So going to the next thing that made me love part of your story. And I think it was a pinnacle moment when you moved to New York and you and your mom and the debt that you acquired in that story. You went to, like you went to college. So I'm getting ready. Paige is getting, is her senior year. So she's getting ready to go to college. She's going on a crew. She's on the crew team. She's going to, she already knows. So we're one and done. Great. Check the box, right? Now we can just kind of enjoy the rest of the year. And like you used to have people at the grocery store with them in the little cart. It goes so fast. I'm like, okay, gotcha. Well, here I am. You know, yes, I, I now I'm the one that says that at the grocery store. Um, but now it's like, think so. I'm li- so I always love when I was listening to your story, like reflecting about mother and daughter relationships and the one you had with your mom and that story and going to New York living in her apartment, kind of like, because you're a millennial. I mean, you know, all those words that people use. I'm I'm an elder millennial, but I am a millennial. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you know, like I, as a mom, looking at how I was, like I didn't have any guidance. I was just a wanderer. I had, you know, maybe I'll go to this school. Okay. I mean, it was so different back then. You just filled out an application and, you know, you didn't have, I didn't even take an SAT. So it's just, so now with me and, and Paige and as an older mother, it's like I've, I've planted the seeds and now it's going to be fun to see where she goes, right? Like what she does with it. And I feel like your story is like a, a how do I explain it? Like seeing where you are now and looking back at that moment, you had to have that moment and that experience to fulfill what you've been doing in your life from then on. 
A hundred percent. I mean, the moment, so, you know, for those listening, the moment that Amanda is referring to, or Ashley, Ashley. I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> It's like, that's the wrong A name. <laughs> it's referring to is this time that I was living in New York. I was living in an apartment that my mother owned. And I just was not taking responsibility for my life. I just was not acting as a financial adult. And listen, I was like 24 or 25. It's not... It's fine. And... There was this moment where I realized like the way I am being on the outside is really different than what's happening behind the scenes. And the disconnect between the two was becoming more and more uncomfortable to hold. It was like an elastic band that I was just stretching and stretching and stretching and it was about to snap and I could feel it. And anytime we're living out of alignment, that's what's happening. You know, like maybe you're some kind of wellness or spiritual coach, but in the back you're getting, you know, you're blacking out drunk every weekend. Or maybe there's, you know, like I was, I was out there as this kind of young entrepreneur woman in the New York entrepreneurial scene. But behind the scenes, I wasn't taking care of my money. I just was not stewarding my money. And I didn't want anyone to know. I felt a lot of shame about it. I wasn't adding up the totals. I didn't actually know the truth of what was going on. I was just a financial avoider. And I think I I just sort sort of had this fantasy that like at some point I was just going to make enough money for it to sort of take care of itself or Mm -hmm. someone was going to save me. I'm not sure what I thought. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But in the end, what I did is I finally got so uncomfortable to be out of alignment that I got some help with a woman named Janice. And Janice was, a, I think, a financial planner or a financial advisor. She just got on the phone with me and she helped me total everything up. Like, what was I spending? What what was I making? How much did I owe? And the total on my debt was so much higher than I had expected. Hmm. So the reason I was avoiding it is because I thought it was worse than I thought. And that was true. That was totally true. You know, sometimes it's like, oh, it wasn't as bad as I thought. No, it was worse. (laughs) And and in that moment, at first I was horrified, but then I felt free Mm -hmm. because now all that energy that I was using in avoidance, now I had back. It was like I had 25 different, you know, staticky radio stations going. And then I finally turned off the radio And it was just silent. Mm -hmm. And I could see, oh, okay, well, here's where I am. Now I can actually make a plan to do something about it. And I regained so much energy from that exercise. And then, like I recommend people do, I told someone safe. I told my financial shame to somebody safe. And at the time, it was my mother Not everyone is going to have a mother who is a safe space for that. Um, You know, I happened to, it's part of the reason why I run programs is so that people can find other people who can be their safe space because financial shame will suck our life force so fast. Mm -hmm. So I did that. And then it was through, it was, it was actually a relatively short period of time after that, that I was able to really increase my income and get out of debt relatively quickly. Why? It was from paying attention, but I couldn't pay attention from a place of discipline and beating myself up, which is how I had tried to do it before. I had to pay attention from a place of love and self-care. Right. What's the the moment when you're on the airplane? The story about the airplane. On the airplane. I don't remember. Can you give me a little extra? (laughs) Is it from Money, a Love Story? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. See, I wrote that book in 2012. (laughs) Right. And you've had two baby sets. And my babies have sucked all my brain cells out. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Let's, we can talk about your, how you met your husband and how you started going through like, I mean, I want to get into the Money, a Love Story for sure. But I mean, when I was listening to, it was like, I think it's only 10 years ago. How long have you been married? It's 10 years this year. Okay. So it was 10 years ago and I'm listening to it knowing you'd already had two children married. But when you met him, it was kind of a fast track. 
but you got yes. into your money quick. Like, I just yes. think that there's something when I see Kate Northrup, like it's, I mean, you've written a book on money. It's about doing less and making more and all the people in this world, we think we have to go, 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 go. But Kate brings you to this place of the minute you realize you don't have to do that and you spend time doing less, all the money flows, you're in the flow, but you're in this with this new man that you meet and take it from there and you get in the car and you go on this 10 month journey. Yeah. Well, I, so I had, so I decided I was going to leave New York, sell that apartment that I co-owned with my mother on paper, but you she about it. And I needed to disentangle myself from the business that I was in with my mom because we just had a lack of clear agreements. I felt like it was squelching me, keeping me small. And what I know to be true is that if we're in any kind of relationship where it is keeping us small, it cannot also be for the best of the other person. Right. It's not possible for there to be a relationship that's great for one person and shrinking the other person. So I knew that if I felt like it was shrinking me, it was shrinking her too. So we were unraveling that and I decided to sell everything I owned and go on this road trip that I was calling the Freedom Tour. And I was blogging about it and I was going all over the country. And I, out of the blue, got this intuition to invite this random guy to come with me who I had met two times. <laughs> and, and he said yes. And I, it, it wasn't even a romantic invitation. It just was, I don't know, I just had this intuition. So it, and it was clear. So I invited him. And anyway, the trip became romantic very quickly. And that turned into a 10. We were supposed to be gone. He was supposed to just drive me across the country for five days. But it turned into 10 months. We lived on the road, driving all over the country, teaching workshops, growing our online business. We had, it was such an adventure. It was great. But in that first couple of weeks, we got into our money stuff because we were living on the road together. And it was like, you know, where are we staying? What's going on? What are the agreements? And it was great because I think both of us thought the other person was more squared away financially than either of us were. Mm -hmm. And so it was a wonderful opportunity to just get really transparent and honest with each other and tell our secrets early so that we could be falling in love with what was instead of with some fantasy. And it you know, wasn't just only being transparent about money, it was being transparent about everything. Because you spend 10 months in the car driving around with somebody, you have a lot of time to talk. Oh my gosh. So talk about talk, get to know someone. Talk about everything. And so, yeah. I mean, so, I think that would be such an amazing beginning to a relationship. Like that would be like, there's nothing you're going to hide. You're with each other 24-7 in a car yeah. traveling. And, you know, that's, a. I mean, just being on a road trip, period is a an adventure and it could cause things. There could be things that come up that you can see how someone reacts to certain things in certain situations oh, immediately. Sure. Yeah. Even one of the first nights we stayed at the Abraham Lincoln Hotel in Springfield, Illinois, and we were an hour south on the freeway. And I realized I had left my cell phone in the hotel room. I was like, oh, <gasps> I'm so sorry. We have to go back. And I was so afraid to tell him. I thought he was going to get so angry. And he was like, okay. And he just pulled off, turned the car around and we went back. And I, even that, I was like, oh, that's who this person is. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We got all the time in the world. Yeah. Gosh, Mm -hmm. I love that. Mm -hmm. That probably were like, okay, yeah, this is the one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he knew sooner than I did, but but and took me it took me a minute. I was really scared. I'd never had anybody who was that present and that sure and that available. And so it was really scary because, you know, what I've come to learn about our nervous systems is that anything that is unfamiliar to our nervous system registers as unsafe. Right. So I felt like it was unsafe, even though it was everything I wanted. But usually everything we want is unfamiliar. And therefore, when it shows up, we can't recognize it. And we do all these things that aren't logical, but we do all these things to sort of sabotage it so that we can bring ourselves back to what feels familiar. Like familiar, right. Which is and- the lack of our desires. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
But yeah, when you were talking about the nervous system, I was reading a quote that you wrote. It's about having like how it late, late says, there's no revenue plan on earth that will work over again in a way that's healthy for you if you're layering it on top of a nervous system that hasn't yet learned to expand its capacity mm. by Kate Northrup. Oh, that's good. It is good. <laughs> yeah, but- we think that like having a certain amount of money is going to make us feel finally safe. And yes, if your basic needs are not met, that is absolutely true. But right. once you've got shelter and food and like you can go to the movies, no amount of money is going to make you feel safe. I know people who have millions and millions, one who has billions. It doesn't mean it's going to make you feel safe. Right. So let's go to when you started thinking, I'm going to write a book and it's going to be called Money, the Love Story. Well, the true story of that is that I got invited because of having basically grown up at Hay House with my mom and Wayne and Louise and the whole crew, you know, I uh, got invited to be part of this kind of gathering think tank thing about the next generation of Hay House authors. Because Hmm. I was blogging, I was teaching these workshops. I think I was like 27 or so. And I was there with Gabby Bernstein and Nick Ortner and Jess Ortner and maybe Megan Watterson. I don't know. We was a whole bunch, a whole crew of us. And maybe Chris Carr, I think. Anyway, and uh, it was great. And then from that, Reed Tracy, the CEO of Hay House, said, we want to publish a book of yours. Oh, so that was after I gave a talk. So I gave this talk, then Patty Gifts saw me speak and she got my content and they were like, we want to publish a book. And I was like, great, here are my different book ideas. And, and Reed was like, great, do the money one. So that's, I wish oh, it was really? a more romantic story. <laughs> but I'm really grateful. I do think that Reed was like an angel at that time because I had all these million directions I could have gone in. And really money is my thing. Mm-hmm. I've been fascinated by it since I was little. I started my first business at seven. I've always just been into making money, into learning about it, into the way we interact with it. And so it was perfect. And then I think that my first chapter was called Me and Money, A Love Story. And Reed or my editor, I don't remember, were like, that's the title, Money, A Love Story. How did your mom raise you with money? Because I'm, you know, I'm in teenage mode. That's a really interesting question. So when my parents got divorced, my mom started learning about money really for the first time in her life. So she started reading books by Susie Orman and Mm -hmm. Robert Kiyosaki and... um, Catherine Ponder, The Dynamic Laws of Prosperity, and David Bach. She like got herself financially literate. And at the my sister had gone to college. And so it was me and my mom home, just the two of us. So we'd gone from a family of four to a family of two. And so I just was into it. I was like, I'll read this with you. So I just started learning. I went to these investing seminars with her. I just kind of started learning. And the great thing about being young like that, 14, 15, 16, I wasn't jaded by life. you know. So when, when Napoleon Hill in Think and Grow Rich said something about the power of the mind to create your reality, I just believed him. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, and when, totally. I was like, okay, he, yeah. you know, this was written by an adult. Okay. Or whatever it was. And so my well, you mom, didn't have any limiting beliefs against it. Not really. Even, yeah. No. And so I would say she raised me to believe in possibility and the truth that there's more where that came from. I think that she tried to instill in me a little bit more about stewarding your wealth and the power of delayed gratification and compound interest. I probably either she didn't say it enough or I wasn't listening. So it took me a little longer to really learn. Like, I wish I could go back in time and be like, girl, invest like all your money because you have time on your side and your expenses are low. Like, what are you doing? But it's all, you know, it's all perfect. (laughs) It is all perfect. And I love saying that. But what will you do with your girls? Well, I... Do you do something with them? Well, yes, we do. So just a couple months ago, I got out, I bought all these books about teaching your kids about money. And I read them all and I sort of 
you know, picked and chose, but what I agreed with, what I didn't agree with. I want to raise them with a healthy balance between you can have whatever you want and money doesn't actually matter and understanding privilege and really understanding that they are creators Mm -hmm. and that when they create value in the world, they can make more money. And that money is everywhere. So it's like a lot of different things. But the main thing I'm, I'm wanting to teach them right now is saving, spending, giving. So we have these little money jars. Each of them has three little money jars. Every week they get the number of dollars of their age. And oh. they have to put something in every jar. But they get to decide. Oh, I love that. How much goes in give, spend, save. We are putting money aside for them, like in accounts that will grow over time. But in terms of their money, one thing I read that I really liked is that kids don't really have a sense of electronic money. So to build a relationship with it, it's actually important for them to watch the jar fill up Mm -hmm. as they're saving for something and to get to decide themselves what they're saving for, to get to decide themselves what they're going to give money to. And they get to decide themselves within, you know, some boundaries, what they're spending money on. And so just really giving them that sense of financial empowerment really early that, that like they have money. And I will say this one thing, cause this comes up a lot. People are like, okay, but do I pay my kids to do chores or do they just get an allowance? And there's a lot of different philosophies on this. I don't think anything's right or wrong, but what I feel is. I want my girls to build a relationship with their money that is separate from doing chores. I do not get paid to empty the dishwasher. I do not get paid to clean off the counters. I do not get paid to clean, to keep my room clean. That is part of being a contributor to our household. So being a contributor to our household is not a job. Mm -hmm. It's part of being part of the family. And so For me, I would rather just, they get the money and they get to practice stewarding it. And then chores are also expectations of contributing to the family, but they don't get paid to do that. Right. I love that. Amazing. But I can also see the other side of it, but that's just how we've chosen to do it. And then like as teenagers and they start driving and all that, you know, there's right now it's like layers upon, you know, it's like, wow, getting ready for college and, you know, just, but I love that beginning. You know, that's just a great, beginning. And like yeah. I think the beginning of the of the habit of every week putting something in savings. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so great. It's a really good like that from someone, or did you create that on your own? You know, I feel like it was in a book that I read, but okay. I don't remember which yeah, one I like read so many and then kind of put together <laughs> my own little yeah, that's my so, own little program. It. But th- and we bought the jars on Etsy. They're each, they come in a little box and they have their customized with their name on them. And then it's three little mason jars that say save, spend, give. So, you know, somebody on Etsy also came up with it. <laughs> and what will they do in the give jar? What it giving to oh, like they a present? Could, like sponsor a sea turtle oh, or okay. it would be giving. So it would be like, um, like charitable giving. Okay. So yeah, to whatever they feel like is an important cause. Uh, that feels meaningful to them. Wow. Amazing. Love it. Love it. Okay. So now let's go into the cycles and your interest in, well, the next book you wrote, Do Less. So what what started that? What birthed that book? Yeah. So what birthed that book is I was pregnant with my first daughter and it was the first time in my life I was so exhausted. And it was the first time I had something in my life that I couldn't overcome by trying harder or putting in more effort or being smarter. And I was just like, okay, what is this? None of my tricks were working. And I realized during that process that all of the tricks that I had been taught were the masculine. Try harder, do more, put in more effort, be stronger be smarter. Like they were all, and I'm not saying, you know, women don't have those qualities. We absolutely do. I come from a very long line of smart, strong women, and I'm so proud of it. And I realized the degree to which I was identified as, 
I am a capable woman physically. I am a capable woman. I am productive. And I could not do the things that I had previously done. I just was like complete, my identity just went completely out the window. And I'm not saying that pregnant, you know, pregnant women are incapable by any means. I, you know, I was also doing burpees and, you know, pull-ups, but it just was this whole reorientation of what my worth was. And so I started asking, who am I if I'm not capable? Who am I if I have to sleep 12 hours a day? Do I matter? Am I lovable still? And just really pulling apart the degree to which I had associated worth and value with productivity. And then when my baby girl was born, she was my first, she was really sick. And she was really sick for the first year of her life. And it was so hard. And she wasn't sleeping. She had this severe eczema. She was so uncomfortable. I mean, just the other day, she was like, Mama, so sad. She said, Mama, do you have any videos of me as a baby laughing? Oh, and I shoot. was looking and like, I couldn't really find many. And she huh. was just really unhappy. So just, that just happened a couple of days ago. And I was like, man, that was a really hard time. So huh. it was a rough year. And again, I was pouring myself into nursing this baby. You know, she's not sleeping. I'm not sleeping. We're trying to keep our business together. It's so hard. She's sick. She's brutal. And yet at the end of the year, we looked at our numbers with our accountant and we realized we had made more money that year than ever before in business, working less than half the amount of time. Hmm. And so then I was like, well, I don't want to repeat this year ever for anything. This was sucked. However, there has to be something I can learn from it. Because if I could, by accident, work less than half the amount under duress and still make more money, perhaps I could do that on purpose in a year when things aren't so hard. And so that's really where I started pulling out the do less philosophy. And then that book was published in 2019, when my second baby was one year old. So I started really practicing and researching when my first was 13 months old and then took, what is that, like three years or so to put that all together. Where did the cycles and the moons, were you always interested in that? No, not at all. (laughs) Okay. Well, I mean, your mom's into menopause. I mean, I learned a lot from your mom at the menopause. My mom tried to tell me about it, but I was just like not into it. Okay. And so, which is sort of ironic, but (laughs) when I got my period back after Penelope was born, she was 13 months old. I was 33. And I got my period for the first time and it was suddenly, it was like, this is so amazing because it felt like this energetic return to myself. Because when a woman gets her period back after a baby, it's a signal that her body has enough resources. It's like that she has topped up enough that actually now she would be available to have another baby. But I just sensed it as this metaphorical return to my creative capacity and my creative potential mm-hmm. and a deeper connection to myself. And so I also really struggled with postpartum insomnia and postpartum anxiety. And even when she was 13 months old, I was still really struggling. Mm-hmm. And I started tracking my cycle and I started doing a little journaling practice about it. And within a couple months, I was not anxious anymore. I felt like I had found this safety raft that I had been so desperately craving, thinking that if I just controlled my husband and the nanny and the babysitters enough, like that would do it. Or thinking if I just got her sleep schedule perfect, or thinking if I just pumped enough milk, like I would feel safe. And this is, you know, this is an echoing of the same freaking thing around the scheduling. It was all these external things of like, if I just were to do this, that, or that, then I'll finally feel safe. But actually it was this return to an internal rhythm that if I looked inside me, I could say like, oh, okay, I'm on day three of my cycle. How do I feel inside? Not what can I control outside, but how do I feel inside? And I could, I began to be able to track that. And then I began to be able to depend 
on my own cyclical nature and these relatively predictable ebbs and flows. And what I learned about the female brain is that, especially about motherhood, is that we have to have predictable support. Right. But primarily predictability. So there's an interesting study in Dr. Luann Brizendine's book, The Female Brain. And she says that uh, it's a study they did of mother monkeys. So they took these three groups of mother monkeys. One group, they gave the same amount of abundant food and water every day. One group, they gave the same amount, but a little food and water every day. And then the third group, some days it was a lot of food and water. Some days it wasn't enough. It was all over the place, totally unpredictable. So interestingly enough, of course, no surprise, the, the mama monkeys with the lot of food and water that was predictable, the same amount of every day, thriving. The mama monkeys who had a little food and water, but predictable every day, actually thrived fundamentally about at the same level as the ones with the abundant resources. But the third group lost their minds and were not able to mother their babies anymore. And it showed me so much about how we just crave control, mm-hmm. but we are not actually what we're, we are thinking that control is the answer, but actually what we're looking for is consistency and my own relationship with my cycle and also bringing in the moon and learning about the moon. And because the moon is incredibly consistent. Like we could look up 40 years from now, what on a, any given day, what phase the moon is going to be in and what sign it's just like this beautiful rhythm that goes and goes and goes and we can always locate ourselves in relationship to it. Mm-hmm. And I just needed something to depend on. And so it was my cycle. It was, it was my body. And then, well, I'm getting these flashbacks from when you were little, when you had to have your planner. Yeah. Like it's, I mean, that's kind of every, like it's, it's come back. It's come back. Right. It's come back. It's very interesting. And, and right now I'm actually working on a third book and the third book really has to do with learning how to feel safe first. Learning how to feel safe first before anything else, before we can experience pleasure or abundance or relaxation or anything, we have to learn how to find safety inside. Explain that. Give me what that looks like. Give me an example of feeling safe before. So, I mean, any kind of behavior. So our body is always looking for homeostasis and homeostasis is essentially like a sense of balance. And in our nervous system, we have our parasympathetic nervous system and our sympathetic nervous system. And our sympathetic nervous system is when we are dysregulated. We are experiencing stress and we are now out of our range of regulation, meaning the stress has popped us into distress and we are in fight flight, or freeze. Parasympathetic nervous system is rest, digest, tend, and befriend. It's the place where we, our bodies heal, we feel yummy and joy and juiciness and all this, right? So, and that's where optimal health is found as well right. in parasympathetic response, right? And so any behavior we are doing, largely, if we really look on an unconscious level, It's because we are trying to find that sense of equilibrium, that sense of I am safe. But the thing about our nervous system wiring is, like I mentioned before, around Mike being like so available and so into me and I was terrified, is I was, it's like everything we desire for the most part is something we haven't experienced before. So everything we want is largely registering to our bodies on an unconscious level as unsafe because we're just wired for survival. And so what's very interesting is we will not allow ourselves to have that which we desire until we learn to signal to our bodies that we are safe as we expand. And so we, I'm sure you've had these experiences. I've had these experiences where we have a big expansion. The day Louise Hay offered me a book deal was a perfect example. It was like, oh my goodness, the grand dame of like mind, body, spirit movement has just offered to pay me to write a book, right? High, high, high moment. Cut to me 15 minutes later, sobbing alone in a cafe because it was so far outside what I felt safe 
receiving because it was so unfamiliar. So my nervous system felt really unsafe. Mm. And so it was having a whole emotional response to essentially bring me back down because we have these thermostat settings and those thermostat settings are based on what, you know, mostly what, how we were programmed from the ages of zero to seven (laughs) and what it felt like in our homes. Not what we were told, but what it felt Felt like. like. And so what we are always craving is a different feeling, but that different feeling in order to get it, we have to learn to signal safety to our nervous systems. And so that is the process of toning your vagus nerve, practicing nervous system healing, practicing nervous system regulation, and really healing our nervous system so that we can change the thermostat setting over time so that instead of constantly being in this place of longing or being like, whoa, everything's like coming to me and it's so amazing. You know, when we manifest something and it feels like really wild. So actually what we want to do is create more and more of a sense of safety as we expand so that as we expand to attract our desires and to call in our desires and experience our desires, it actually feels kind of normal and safe. And that way we don't end up in a cafe sobbing our brains out, not able to receive or like breaking out in a full body rash when this amazing man is wanting to be with us. And we're like, I have to break up with him and fly back across the country. (laughs) See, that's it. (laughs) That was it. But you know, when you talk about manifesting and you know, you're always like, you got to feel that. That's what I'm getting from you. So if you, if Louise Hay had, you had done the work to feel safe and had like visualized this book and got into that feeling of being an author and being a Hay House, you know, getting this check from Louise Hay, it would, you wouldn't have been sobbing at that cafe. I mean, perhaps I think that, I mean, this gets a little complex. So (laughs) we all have our patterning, right? My patterning also lived, like we, our memories live in our body. Right. And they get stored there. And one of the memories I had stored in my body was watching my mother's career take off while her marriage was falling apart. Mm. So there was also for me, which is very personal, but we all have these things. There was also like, I was terrified that if I, I mean, this was semi, it was, this was a semi-conscious belief, right? Mm Semi-conscious thought. I was terrified that if I got really successful, I would end up alone. Okay. And so that was like living in me. So I needed to, one of the terms that we have in nervous system healing in the world of somatics is titrate. So I needed to titrate, meaning doing small doable pieces as we expand our capacity to experience something new. So that book offer from Louise Hay was like a zero to 60. It wasn't a small, it was like, (laughs) (laughs) and it was, it was more than I could handle in my range of capacity in that moment. And then what I did about that is I talked to a girlfriend about it who was a safe person and we were able to co-regulate and she was able to help me feel loved and safe. And that's one of the things we can do when we're out of our range of resonance it is a really good idea to reach out to a safe person. And that's why therapists and coaches and events and group programs are so powerful because it allows us to make connections with safe people who can help be a thermostat for us when our thermostat needs a little reset. In your programs that you teach, when you start teaching these people that are coming to you? Are they coming to you because I know the cycles and they're learning how to manifest in the cycles and the seasons and understanding their part in the moons and all that in the moon. What is the majority, I guess, of your clients are they coming to you for? These days, it's they're coming to me because they want to have a healthier relationship with money. So they want their level of success or potential for success that they have on the outside to be matched by their level of financial mastery and stewardship behind the scenes. And they want that alignment to feel fully financially powerful all the way in, all the way through. In their earnings, in the way they're managing their money, in their ability to manifest, to know that there's always more where that came from, 
in their investing, in the way they're, you know, managing their debt, whatever. So it's really for financial. Well, the program is called Relaxed Money. So they want to feel relaxed with their money. (laughs) Right. And is it a lot of people that are very successful that, you know, that you say like before, like there's, you know, it's not behind the scenes. You never know what goes on back there when they're living the high life. We get a whole mix of people, but because the program, you know, is a commitment as and is an investment, um, it's not designed for people who are like completely financially struggling. There are other places that I recommend that folks start for there. But yes, they do tend to be pretty successful, but there's like this disconnect hmm. where they feel like, I know that ignoring my money or being afraid of it or feeling like there's never enough or feeling like I'm never enough. Like I know that there is more for me here if I were to be able to learn how to feel powerful with money. Right. Huh. Interesting. I'm at the end here, but Kate, I've loved it. What would you like want your daughters to say about you when they Mm -hmm. grow up? I mean, I hope they say what I said about my mom, which is that, you know, I hope they say that I taught them to trust themselves and that that was the best gift that they got. Yeah, I love that. And what advice would you give your little self? Hmm. Their age. (laughs) Save more money sooner. (laughs) Use the power of compounding interest. It is literally the eighth wonder of the world. And like, I just, held myself back so much in high school and college. And I was so worried about being good that I didn't, I wasn't as adventurous as, you know, like I'm having some of those years now where I'm just, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really releasing a lot of good girl conditioning. So I would just want them to know, like, I love you unconditionally you could literally do anything and I will love you and like get out there and explore the world. I mean, yes, listen to your intuition. Yes, be safe. But like push the edges a little bit. Go live. Be it, you know, like right. maybe not when they're five and eight, but like. Right. Yeah. And they're 20s. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Get out there. <laughs> right. Yeah. I always say that to the girls too, like the 20, your 20s are so you know, there's so much learning to do. You become a different person when you, you know, every year there's so much growth and fun to be had and adventures and memories and stories to tell, you know? Yeah, experiment, adventure, all of that. Yeah. Did you have a lot of relationships before your husband? Were you that? I had plenty of them. I definitely, I got around to my adventures uh, for sure, but I, I was a late bloomer. You know, it took me until my early 20s to be like, oh, you know, like, I think I just like felt, I don't know what it was, if I felt unattractive or if I just felt like so weird compared to everyone. I'm not sure what it was, but it just took me a minute. Huh. How will you do that with the girls, with boys? Well, that's a great question. I mean, if they're into boys, um, who knows? But I will say that one thing that has really been beautiful is watching... My husband is an amazing father. Like He is just the best. And I think that uh, so much of our wiring around men actually comes from our fathers. Mm -hmm. And so I think I already did my job. I just picked such a great guy. Yes. Isn't that neat? Was that something that you, when you met him, did that go through your mind? Like, yes. oh, he'll be a great dad. A hundred percent. I'm pretty yeah. sure that I'm pretty sure that my soul chose him to be the father of my children. Right. Like it was, it was immediate. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, yeah. Just the values are so important. And as you get older, you realize like, especially having girls, you yeah. know, the dad plays this, such a big role. Everything. Yeah. He's just really present with them. He's adoring with them, but he also has good boundaries. You know, it's just, yeah. yeah. Beautiful. I love that. Thank you, Kate. Tell everybody where they can find you, buy your books. Great. So you can, the best place to find me is at katenorthrop.com. I do a beautiful weekly do less dispatch. I put my heart and soul into that little note. It's a love note where I'll help you to do less in your life and have more, help you with your money, a little nugget every single week to help you on your way to have an experience of plenty. On Instagram is a great place, at Kate Northrup. And then my podcast, Plenty, 
Cute. I love that. And it's been fun to listen to you talk and your guests are very interesting and, you know, it's different. I loved everyone. I was like, oh, not all the same, right? I mean, they're not, it's very diverse, I guess is the word. Anyway, thank you so much, Kate. Thank you so much for having me, Ashley. It was so fun. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to the Uncover Your Magic podcast today. If you are inspired by what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. If you would like to connect with me with any questions, comments, or feedback, please contact me at the Uncover Your Magic website. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget, always look for the magic.